Hey guys, welcome back to Screenworthy, brought to you as always by The Mind Refinery. I'm your host, Kyle Bodanis. This episode, we talk about the latest from Chris Nolan, Tenet, and our long-awaited return to the theater. We talk the experience, the grandeur, the confusion, and where does this rank on Nolan's CV? If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and if you have time, follow The Mind Refinery on social media. And now, here's the show. Alright guys, here today to talk about our much-anticipated theater return and viewing of Christopher Nolan's confusing tenet, our Mind Refinery creatives, Andrew Lanza. Hey, hey. And Andrew Vanny. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Glad to be here. So guys, this was a kind of, you know, a big thing. I, I, I can't even remember, I can barely remember the last time I was in the theater. What was the last film we saw in the movies for me 1917 uh for me was um shit the one with nick cage uh, color out of shape i think it was called I, I feel like that's not right but it was like the lovecraftian um kind of sci-fi horror movie i can't remember exactly oh, i think that's what it was called i'm gonna look it up van equals yours i think 1917 but i might have saw some an indie one at the review since then but 1917 for the last one i remember Color out of space, just to confirm, is what it was called. Sorry, guys. This guy is doing a sci-fi horror. It was this season of the witch too. Like, what's going on here, Nick Cage? So, I want to know, like, first of all, how was the experience going back in the theater? Was it weird? Uh, were you worried? Uh, like, how do you feel they handled it? For the record, we all three of us saw it. And we went to the Cinesphere. Yeah, I mean, just I, I've seen a couple movies at Cinesphere. Uh, I mean, when I was a kid, obviously going and see, I saw some like rock climbing shit, and I think some other like Great Lakes of Canada or something like that. Um, but going back there, so, and then also I've seen, I think I saw Dark Knight, Dark Knight, and also Brazil with, uh, with Mind Refinery, uh, podcaster Sam Hall. We saw Brazil. But anyway, so yeah, going back to Cinesphere was just first off dope as hell. Like it's just, I mean, I think it's, it's either the world's first or North America's first, um, permanent IMAX theater. So just going there was fucking awesome. Um, I mean, it was all like socially distanced. You had the... Um, you can only sit together in pairs like Kyle and I sat together and then Vanik uh, sat with his wife and then my two buddies sat down the row from us and there was like I don't know what like six seats in between and they're like everything was staggered but having said that yeah I mean I felt like like every you had to wear your mask the whole time unless you're eating and like I felt like gen generally I felt like pretty safe there I guess I don't know you're kind of just confined to your thing I remember I went to like go talk to my buddies for like a second we were gonna go get food and then the lady's like hey like don't don't interact with those people what like I could have been like making out with these dudes as like right before I walked in the door and now like I can't talk to them I'm like this that's that's whack I think but I mean I get they're like trying to enforce a thing so yeah but anyway like overall it was like a good experience it was kind of it's kind of trippy watching Tenet where a lot of time they're like wearing masks over their face and like we're wearing masks it's all it's all connected man Vanique what did you think man yeah I think they handled it pretty good it was a little bit weird I think I was so excited to see a movie especially one of this like uh magnitude and like visual and audio uh intensity so to see that in the proper format first as opposed to trying to watch that you know on Netflix was I think that that just overtook any of the weirdness and uh and yeah them kind of trying to police the snacks like you couldn't you were supposed to only have your mask on when you were eating it was like kind of like well what if I'm still slowly chewing or sucking on this Jolly Rancher but uh aside from that you could wear a mask and suck on a Jolly Rancher come yeah. on 
I guess he could. Yeah, fair enough. Buddy, what do you think, like, fucking all my childhood was? Fucking, like, walking with a balaclava when I was a fucking kid with a fucking face full of candy? <laughs> just, I got fucking ch- ch- chipmunked, it, chipmunked it into my fucking face like it's about to be winter. Like, we're not already in winter. Bring balaclavas um, back, honestly. I was thinking about that the yeah. other day. Yeah, I want... I feel the problem is it's like the I I blame the IRA for fucking up balaclavas. It's like thanks assholes. <laughs> I do. It's like fucking. It's like listen. And like I, movie I'm, robbers. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to kill a member of the royal family. I'm just trying to go fucking play hockey outside with my, my friends. My face I'm is chilly. Chunk, Jeez. Yeah, I'm the chunky goaltender. I don't. I don't um, want frostbitten cheeks. <laughs> I like for me. Like I don't think I'm fully there yet. Uh, with the being in crowds, I'm also wondering if most of it was like it wasn't. It wasn't a huge crowd. It was. It wasn't. Absolute, that's the thing. It wasn't. Yeah, really it a crowd. wasn't an absolute. Like it was like in terms of like the physical distancing and stuff. They did the absolute maximum they could go, they could do with actually having people in the fucking theater. Like every other row mm-hmm. was empty, so like people could walk through, and if you wanted to, you could step over the seat and all that kind of stuff, and like get through so like like any of the only thing i mean my only beef was the popcorn was shit but like that's i mean that's non-covid related uh not quite as serious i I avoided uh, the popcorn i just i just grabbed a dr pepper fanny remember when (laughs) 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 you know exactly what i'm gonna say my buddy walked by you with three dr peppers like one hanging out of every pocket and you fucking lost it looks like fucking grade 10 this was heroic (laughs) these are the folks we're talking 500 mil Dr. Pepper's too. Like this is not little cans. So, I mean, like overall, I just don't think I'm kind of there yet. I think like I wasn't like anxious. It was a special anything. occasion for sure. Yes, and like that's that's what it was. I'm not sure if I'm like running out to go to the theaters again, but I enjoyed it. I wanted to see Tenet. It's a Chris Nolan movie, um, mm. which dovetails into and Chris Nolan is kind of I think event viewing in terms of totally. his films. You know, mm, so exactly. I'll preface this like in terms of initial thoughts. What did we think of this film off the top of our heads? Well, just right off the top of my head, I just want to say that, like, I had so much fun at the theaters. Like, first and foremost, before we say anything, like, the entire experience, just going back to the movies, was a blast. It was, you know, it was a spectacle. It was IMAX. It's this weird time. And having said that, I think the movie fell a little flat. (laughs) That's do, that's do that's, you know what you watched? As I was watching it, honestly, I was like, like you know, I mean, first of all, I was you know quite, I was I was quite buzzed during the film, so I was watching. It, I'm like, am I gonna have to lie at the end of this and be like, I like I didn't get it? Like I don't like what the hell is going on? You guys I just didn't ha- get it, you idiots. I know, and I'm like, and then I look over at you, and you're you're just like you look at me, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And then you're like, look at Vanique, and then we look over at Vanique, and he just has the most like puzzled, confused, <laughs> slightly annoyed, bit angry, like scowl on his face, half covered by a mask, and he's he's just like taking in this movie. It was a myriad of emotions because it's like you were like scared that you were gonna look like an idiot. I was clearly going through the anger phase, and then uh, Vanique was just squinting quizzically at the screen, and I... I that, that face sums up yeah. my kind of... Like, uh, that face is perfectly sums up my review of Tenet, honestly. That would be my review of Tenet. It would be a picture of Vanique squinting at the screen quizzically. 
I, I felt like if I squinted hard enough, I might understand it better. It's like a like, seeing eye picture. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, Schooner. the fucking mix was all off. Like, I don't know. I've, I've heard mixed things. Like, some people said it was fine. Uh, like I've, But I've heard many people say that the mix was off. And there were times where, like, like, like Vanny said, like, you're squinting to hear it. You're like, what are they saying? <laughs> like, so much dialogue. Like, that would be if I was watching that at home. Definitely, I would have thrown the subtitles on. I want to do, I, I don't even, I can't rule out that that wasn't on purpose. Like that some of the stuff was inaudible. I, I'm ruling out it wasn't on purpose. Well, I mean, some of the stuff, like some of the, time, the times when they're like wearing masks, be it kind of like the oxygen masks or like the uh, more of like kind of like the army, like SWAT masks. I don't know what you would call those SWAT helmets, whatever. The, I feel like a lot of times they didn't, you know, do ADR on that. They just like took the dialogue from inside the mask. And it's like, that was definitely, um, you know, a stylistic choice, I feel like. Because a lot of times when they were wearing masks, that's when I had the hardest time. But even when they were wearing masks, I still had a hard time understanding what people were saying. I'm going to preface this by saying that uh, most of the criticism I'm going to level at this, this is me not speaking for all of us, obviously, uh, is really directed, isn't really directed towards like the physical craft of filmmaking other than, you know, the mix, which I have had problems with. But there's also some debate, especially in the uh, online spheres, as to why that is. Uh, so nothing like in terms of shot selection, cinematography, set pieces. I mean, at this point, Chris It's Nolan's, absolutely stunning. Yeah, I absolutely mean, at this, point, at this point, Chris Nolan's ability to make films, we're not calling... I don't think any of us are going to call that into question. I mean, like, I go to bat for Nolan. Dark Knight was like a film experience for me when I saw it. One of the most memorable times. I love the prestige. Uh, Dunkirk made me cry openly. You know, I love these. Uh, I love these flicks. I love Chris Nolan. And I don't w- go into a movie theater to fucking want to see a bad movie or here to like troll it because that is a waste of fucking money. If that's the case, I'm not gonna waste my money and go see it on a fucking big screen when I can just rent it and talk shit about it. But the problem is, his shit is now like to my in my opinion is just getting so convoluted from a story and character standpoint and so up its own ass that it kind of takes away from the master class that is filmmaking in a Chris Nolan movie. It's almost like, you know, did you guys ever see Inland Empire by David Lynch? Yes. Okay, so like, you know how it was almost like with that film, like David Lynch is like, oh man, some people on the internet are saying that they understood my last film. Well, I'll show them. <laughs> that's, that's almost like this inception. He's been this. known. He's been known for that for like way before Inland Empire. Like other yo, than like no. Mulholland Drive is his most like straightforward movie. Yo, he's the fucking <laughs> he's the film equivalent of jazz. It's like fucking. He's like like fucking Charlie Parker trying to be like, all right, I'm gonna play some shit that nobody can follow along with. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, it's almost like it's almost gotten to the point where it's you kind of come to expect that. Like even with sorry, this is now moving away from from Lynch back to Nolan. Um, even with like Dunkirk, like his, you know, quote, you know, maybe his most straightforward film is still, it still plays with time. So to some extent you're going to expect some Nolan esque things, but it, and it's like, you can kind of give him a pass, but it's, this one was just, it was so out to lunch, man. Like some of the dialogue at the end, I'm like, this is fucking like B movie stuff. Like the final scene where you have like all the characters, like, like, like the final, you know, three characters with their fucking time horror crux or whatever the hell it is. Um, <laughs> and it was just like, man, like, is he like, are we getting trolled? Is he trying to just see what he can get away with? But like the, at the same time, like I'm watching that and like, I kind of had the same reaction you guys did, but then there's, you know, a ton of people on the internet 
and um, other people I've talked to who are just like jizzing over the movie. And I'm like, really? Again, it's not from a filmmaking standpoint. Like technically the movie is so good. The cinematography, it's Hoyt Van Hoytema again. <laughs> we always, I, I, or how you pronounce his last name of this I podcast. I think it's Hoytema. Hoytema, yeah. Yeah, you're saying it right. You can just slur it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different, different emphasis. But it's just like, man, like like the, the soundtrack from Ludwig, everything is just so good. But then it's just so convoluted. And there were just so many points during the movie where there's these huge action set pieces. They're like contrast two different things that are like playing off each other. And like in each scenario, I have absolutely no idea what's going on what's at stake the like it looks beautiful the music makes me know that it's high tension and like you know how people are reacting in the scenes but like i just genuinely like there's so many times where i just genuinely didn't know what the fuck was happening isn't it crazy though how you can enjoy that's the one thing we all we all said that coming out of the theaters that we enjoyed it like how did we have yes, that must be time. a testament to the to the craft in that everything was so good that you had a fun time even though it was indecipherable and there's not even a moment really at any one point did I, was I at all sure that I had known what the previous scene was about or what it meant or anything. When I looked at it and then, you know, reading stuff after I'm like, okay, like I get what the fuck was going on in this, but it was like, so in terms of like the, his writing dialogue and his basic story construct uh, construction now. And I think Jonathan Nolan's absence may have been also, um, yeah, yeah obvious on this because i feel like he has a bigger grasp at the larger picture of story although there's john jonathan nolan films which also like have some of this situation but you know i feel like he's creating his own version of sorkinisms these ideas that are complex for the sake of being complex rather than creating a story where complex like complexity is natural uh and it comes out and you know where you're understanding characters more and you're getting a little bit more into i mean some people would say well it isn't that kind of film but like if i'm looking at this and i really haven't learned anything any real insight to these characters from an emotional standpoint i mean uh, i i just like john david washington i and another thing is the actors i mean it's a it's a it's a murderer's row of a cast and these performances aren't i'm not sure how these performances could do any more justice to the dialogue like you know what i mean like yeah this is yeah. the max they're, you're they're, they're get. doing the they're doing the best that they've yes. gotten yes and, and, like, and, and like some they of the stuff was with. fucking super you know eye rolly and like i spent a lot of time going especially going into the nether regions of reddit and looking at you know just like going through what the threads and what people were saying like what they think about it and you know there were some people who were totally like oh you don't get what's going on well you know Maybe you don't have my mental capacity. You know, it's just like that kind of stuff. And I'm like, listen, if you didn't think this story was convoluted, I would question what you actually know about fucking story. Because uh, I like at some point, I'd like to see Chris Nolan work in a movie that is, and maybe it's not in him, that focuses more on characters, that focuses more on, you know, the inner workings of other human beings, where even some of you know, like even some of the others, I feel like the last one that really, 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 really looked at that was, I mean, like uh, Interstellar touched on it, 
but it Inception also got did. Inception, Inception exactly. See, this is the thing about Inception because some people were trying to say that Inception was more convoluted than this. I do not agree with that. I think Inception, first of all, uh, was rooted in a main character where you kind of understood his motivations and overall issue and his overall challenges, and he, you know, kind of faces his uh you know his worst fears towards the end and he has to conquer them and i know that is simplistic the hero has a thousand faces type thinking but at the end of the day it it worked i don't really like inception that much looking back at it but i don't like i think that i can understand that movie a lot better and i i just for me it just didn't hold up to tons and tons of viewings that's my preference if someone says it's a good movie i understand it this one is muddy objectively i feel you know i've watched some youtube videos afterwards and you know, that kind of like broke it down this night it's like yeah i got the gist of it and like when i say like am i gonna have to pretend to know what's going on like obviously i'm making a joke like i got i got the general gist of the movie and it's just like yes i'm sure Everything is in there, you know, you can pick out all the little details and like construct a movie, but it's just like, it was so just out of control. Like it was just so like, even that scene where they're on that wind, what was that windsurfing boat thing? Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, like, why is this scene on a windsurfing boat? I mean, she like throws friggin Sir Eric, uh, what's his name? Sir Kenneth Kenneth Branagh. Sir Kenneth Branagh, Branovich over the, uh, over the side. And like yeah, it's just like there's so many scenes. They're just like, like, what is going on? Couldn't Why? we work a like a less intentionally eating up budget way of, uh, like have having her almost try to kill him rather than just this random, you know, windsurfing and and then people be exactly. like, well, you don't get it. Uh, I mean, Wolf Annie, what did you think of the windsurfing scene? Uh, apparently, I read that those are the fastest type of sailboat ever. They can go almost sixty miles an hour. Or 100k. It's just did crazy. You, did you notice how you never read anything to do with uh, character justification for those scenes? <laughs> Most of the stats you read were about how cool the boats were. Actually, but I did. For... I read another one about about that yacht he's got. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yo, I don't know why he was doing any of this, but have you seen this fucking yacht? It's balled out. What I like is all my fatalists to have balled out yachts. For me, like there was no pay, like there was no payoff beyond spectacle in this. That's the thing. There was no, uh, you know, payoff in the way the characters developed, you know, in their arcs and in in re- revelation. Yeah, as 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 far as characters go, honestly, I think that there is very little character development, be- like in any of the characters. Like you have like the villain of the movie again, Sir Kenneth Branagh. Like he was just a bad guy. There was no like he was just bad and he was just like kind of like insecure about death and time and like that, that like that was it. Like you know what I mean? There the only really relationship I bought was between the protagonist and um at uh, Keith is his name, Robert Pattinson's character. I believe yeah. so. Yeah. So that's like the only relationship I really actually like bought and enjoyed during during the whole movie. That was a good duo, for sure. Like, they, they played off each other well. Again, that comes back to how sweet the performances were. And, like, how do you have good performances with, like, dialogue-wise kind of a terrible script? It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I Like, that's the thing. is like, I want to know... 
I feel like, I, like, what are motivations is the big thing. I, like, I want a motivation other than I'm trying to save the world. Like, what's the, like, even fucking Armageddon has fucking motivation in it. You know what I mean? Bruce Willis, why does he want to save the world? Uh, because his fucking daughter at the end of the fucking day. And that's a Michael Bay movie. And Michael Bay is an idiot. So, I expect more from Chris Nolan than I would get in a Michael Bay movie. Because yeah. of his talent and his vision and his... And, like, this is one of those situations where I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Okay? I'm Chris Nolan's mom, and I'm fucking disappointed. That's kind of what I'm Yeah, saying. like, I wanted it to be good. Like, no, like I don't like going to see a movie and, and it not living up to my expectations. Like, you know what I mean? I have no reason to dislike this movie. Other than, you know, it wasn't very good. Okay, so what I want to do is, guys, I want to get into memorable scenes. What did we think was memorable? What did we like? Kitchen fight scene was dope as fuck. It was amazing. So claustrophobic in that tight little space. Like, that was, and as far as fight scenes go, like, most of, I think, if not all the other fight scenes were, like, that kind of, like, weird, backwards dancing, looks like a David Lynch cigarette commercial. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> David Lynch for Paul Malls. Have you ever seen that cigarette commercial that David Lynch did? It's, like, people backwards dancing in front of a house on fire that's and it's just no, like only because i thought it was a racer head <laughs> and then it's just like newport slims anyway <laughs> no i'm not even joking though like I, like i'm not i'm not joking i at know all. I've, and, I, I've seen it. it's hilarious anyway so yeah so it's like other than like that fight scene i think all the other ones pretty much were that like kind of like weird backwardsy fight but yeah, that that scene was amazing. Like it was, it was quite short in terms of like compared to the rest of the movie. But it really stood out in my mind. I liked the scene with the uh, either the seven 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 or the seven forty seven. I think it was a seven forty seven going into the terminal there. That was crazy. And as we thought, so crazy. And it was practical. Like oh, we I, thought. I thought so. I and, thought yeah, so. yeah, we were right about that. It was rehearsed yeah. for weeks. The stunt driver. Or the stunt performer actually drove the the taxiing vehicle for it, because and then it, it. and then it switched to a cable system, <laughs> like just pure classic Hollywood, non Hollywood special effects. So I would sweet. say I would say in terms of set piece uh, brilliance from Chris Nolan, you two guys tell me. I think only it can only be rivaled uh by the opening scene of dark knight rises because like these are scenes where can you imagine if you're the focus puller who's fucking soft on this like can you fucking imagine people just being someone yelling soft over the fucking radio when you're in a helicopter uh trying to make sure this is in fucking focus i like i i think it's i think it's uh like it's one or two of his best what do you mean the scene yeah from a in terms of good nolan set piece scenes yeah uh... I'd, I, I, I'd put it up there for sure. For sure. I would say that I would actually probably pick multiple of the action sequences I thought were pretty crazy. I mean, the reverse car chases and the forward car chase, both of them were super duper well done. Pretty crazy. See, that reminded me of The Matrix because it's like, remember? Yeah, it's the Matrix 2, Matrix, Matrix yeah, Reloaded. Where, reloaded where, you're, yeah. where you're like, fucking what am I watching? This guy just fought a bunch of CGI Agent Smiths. And then all of a sudden the most like banging car chase comes on. And it's just, it's one of my favorite car chases in movies, man. That one, that one is so well done. So um, well done. But yeah, I think the car chase was incredible. Like for me, it's funny because I, he puts all the directors who use epic amounts of of uh, CGI to shame. Because just like the amount, and this is what we're saying in terms of the craft of filmmaking. Because 
who do you trust to shoot that scene in Hollywood? You know what I mean? Like in the world who like there's a handful of directors who you're entrusting uh, with that, you know, level of cord simultaneous coordination happening. You know what I mean? Like it's the whole directing team, the, the, the ADs as well in order to make that happen. It just it is incredible. And I just feel like this is why there is a level of fucking, you know, just like question mark about the story because you know, when these set pieces happen, it's like, you, like, it makes you root for the film even more, you know what I mean? It's like, fuck, this guy is really, he's, he's at, this guy is being Michael Jordan in the playoffs here, you know what I mean? You gotta sink the jump shot. I, like, I fucking, I, I was mesmerized during this. I think there wasn't a, a jaw not open uh, in the movie theater because I could see a lot of people's faces because they weren't wearing masks because they were confused about the eating of the food. So, yes, I mean, what else, guys? What else did we like? I really liked on, on, uh... The uh, the performance by I had to look her up, Dimple Kapadia, who is uh, Priya, the um, the yes. Indian woman. When they ascend up to that thing, every scene with her was lights out. Those are actually probably the best dialogue scenes in the film. What sure. that last dialogue dialogue scene with her? I thought it was like... abs- it was garbage. Wait, wait, I don't know. I about like the her though. I, I like her though. But I liked her. Sorry, her performance yeah, specifically. I liked her. I'm not going to call out the dialogue. I'm not giving props to any bit of dialogue in this movie of the actual words like on the page. But the performances and her was pretty uh, fantastic. She stuck out. Yeah, I think she was fantastic. I mean, uh, it was a fucking fantastic cast that was assembled. Also, Kenneth uh, Branagh as like, I mean, this, this basically was like a Bond movie on acid. And that's part of the annoyance is that it alluded that it was about something bigger. And if it had just been an action movie, it would have been like the best Bondy type action movie ever. Kenneth Branagh is pretty badass uh, antagonist for sure. Do we like his accent? I don't know about his accent. It was fine. Like, it was fine. It, 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 like, it, I, I bought his, like, I bought it. I don't know. I didn't think it was the best Russian accent of all time or anything, but like. Is it better than Malkovich and Rounders? Yes. That one is chick, terrible. Chick, that, chick. That took me chick, out. I did. I thought it was chick. a joke. Yeah. I, mean, I will splash the pot whenever I please. And it's like, man, this is Malkovich. He can do anything except this. You could have picked anything else. I bet you there's like nine different accents he could have done. Yeah, the, like I, I fucking uh, Teddy KGB. Uh, like that for me is the ground floor of uh, shitty Russian accents. Uh, I thought he was better than that. I think mainly because uh, it's Kenneth Branagh and he's going to put the fucking time into it. Not that Malkovich wouldn't, but sometimes it's just out of your fucking ballpark. So, I mean, Kenneth Branagh, I feel like, is sick in a lot of things he's in. Even his ill-advised uh, Frankenstein uh, movie uh, with Robert De Niro as the fucking Frankenstein's monster. Even like even on the shitty ends of of Kenneth Branagh films is fantastic. We're looking at like you know a West End London trained, uh, a Royal Theatre trained actor, and he just brings it into everything. I remember even in like things like Much Ado About Nothing, it's like absolutely fantastic. And you know I think anytime you're bringing Kenneth Branagh out, I mean Dunkirk, he's fucking incredible. Um, so good in Dunkirk. I know we like, talked about that in the Dunkirk episode, but so good. So I think I think listen again, like you're bringing out a fantastic cast. I mean, let's talk about John David Washington. This is Denzel's uh, progeny. Um, I had no idea until you told me that afterwards. I think he's... Listen, uh, even in Ballers, which I wasn't really into that show that much, uh, past you know the first season, he's fucking good, man. He's got charisma. 
he uh, he's got a lot of what his dad has. What do we think? A lot of sc- a lot of screen presence. Like he like he filled up that fucking IMAX screen, man. Like he's just got a ton of screen presence. Like even though I didn't know what the hell was going on sometimes, he like I don't know. He took me along for the ride. So I th- I thought I thought he did a really really good job. Even with again what he was given to work with as far as dialogue goes, like his just like facial expressions and screen presence was was out of control. It was just so good. Totally. And I think in terms of like how you just mentioned ballers, look at his character in ballers versus his character in this. He's already got, he's already displayed more range than, uh, than Denzel. I think. I don't know about that. I don't know. Denzel's just Denzel to me. He's always Denzel, which is exactly what you're paying for. I'd have exactly to see what more you so. always want. I'm just saying that's a particularly good example of this movie compared up to in ballers and like, He's very, very convincing at what he's doing in Ballers as a pro athlete. I mean, training I like day all the way to fucking Philadelphia. I'm going to, I'm going to, and glory, I'm going to give. I'm gonna we'll give, give him a minute. Okay, um, yes. That's the range is there. The range is promising. I think here's, yes, I think so. I think what the big thing with him is I'm not going to see, first of all, he's fantastic in, uh, in Black Klansman. He's fantastic. Um, he gets funnier dialogue too. Uh, even when he was, uh, it was trying to be funny, this movie, but you know, I'm not sure if Christopher Nolan is, uh, knows what humor is. I feel I, like it's I, a type I, of humor that like Mark Zuckerberg would actually chuckle at. Yeah. It's the most condescending type humanly possible, but you know, he, I think I, you're never going to see him as a character actor, which would be simultaneously be simultaneously be a waste. And I don't see him as the invoking you know, the super um, method type actor, but he's got this leading man written all over him where he's carrying a movie through talent and charisma alone. I think that is something his father is one of the best all time uh, in having, like combined with, uh, you know, with the prowess. I think the thing with Denzel Washington, what his big thing was, is that, uh, you know, he's done some super safe movies, but he's also, you know, done some ones that are a lot more difficult. You know, Philadelphia being fucking one of them. You know, even like rules that didn't work, didn't hit so much. is still, you know, showing the range, like John Q, uh, Man on Fire. I think that um, John David Washington could be fucking huge. I would love him, love to see him get even more roles. He should be, especially after Black Klansman, people should be all over this guy. And, um, you know, he should be doing some fucking crazy stuff. And then him, contrast with uh, his co-star, Robert Pattinson. What do we think about Robert Pattinson? First, let's talk about in general and then in this movie. He's fine. I don't know. I don't really love him or hate him. I think the new Batman trailer looked dope as fuck. Wish him a speedy recovery with the whole COVID but um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I see him in interviews. He's actually really hilarious in interviews. Like, end of the day, I don't love him. I don't hate him. But I think he did a really good job in this movie. As I said, him and his relationship with the protagonist was probably my favorite part of the movie. Well, I'm sorry, maybe not my favorite part. My my favorite like character interaction of the movie. He's um, I'm really coming around on him more and more. Like, he's obviously started with the when I first saw him anyway with the Twilight stuff, and I obviously. Well, maybe not obviously, but wasn't super into those movies. Uh, I watched part of one of them. But um, did you guys see High Life? That movie is is a hard watch. No. But, like, his... 
Yeah, I haven't seen The Lighthouse, but it is, he, I'm coming around. I think he's a pretty talented actor, and I think it kind of made me realize when I was watching him on this afterwards, I was like, wow, like Pattinson getting better and better. And then you thought, well, if you know a cinematographer, they do a bunch of films, they get better. Like, what actors aren't just like stagnant in their talent? And I think that I think that he's becoming a pretty pretty good. Uh, well, dude, also like, let's be for sure. Let's be real. If somebody's gonna like offer you the role of like the you know co lead of a of like a a franchise and gonna pay you a shit ton of money, like it's kind of hard to say no to that. So yeah. it's like so like even though like maybe he was I, I haven't seen those movies, but who knows? I don't know if he was good or bad in those movies. But either way, it's like man, he got the bag. Like I can't I can't hate the guy. No. I mean, I've seen those movies, and they're terrible. All of the Whatever. Twilight movies? You've seen all of them? Oh, yeah. Um, Why? Because... Like a girlfriend, or just know your enemy type shit? Both. One and two were girlfriend, and three was know your enemy. Sometimes, uh... You liked it a little bit by that point. Uh, no. Terrible. Uh, I, I also, like, you have to remember that part of his... The first parts of us seeing him not only were played out in movies that were shit, but also, you know, like, played out in the tabloids, rather than looking at him for his talent. And, like, obviously I was quick to judge, too. And and it's like, fuck, what is this guy doing? And this guy is going to be in Batman, and what? But then, you know what, this guy, I think he's incredibly talented. I think he's going to be a guy who really you can throw in anything, and he's going to be okay. I think, he, I think he's just going to have uh, talent. I think he's going to be more of the transformative ones. Like, him being cast in this... You know, kind of like a, and just as like the, you know, and in the Matt Reeves Batman as well. I mean, I remember when Heath Ledger was cast as Joker, and I made a fucking knee jerk reaction to that. I'm like, fucking ten things I hate about Joker, man. Fuck this shit. And see, that's why I'll never talk shit. Like everybody talks shit about like, like everybody talks, everybody talks shit about fucking Affleck as Batman. I'm like. I don't know, like, give it a chance. And, like, he turned out, I mean, it wasn't a good movie, but he was probably the best part of that movie. He was good. There was nothing wrong with the way what he did. And, um, you know, like, it was the same for me. I, I was like, that's the reason why I'm never going to talk shit about them casting somebody. Because that Heath Ledger, like, I wanted him to be on screen every moment. I wanted him to, like, it was one of the all-time great villain performances, the quintessential Joker and um, he won a posthumous Academy Award for it, and I believe that's deserved. I can't really, like, he's incredible. And Robert Pattinson, I think he's gonna be fantastic. And Matt Reeves is Batman in this movie. He's good, and he does the best he can with what he's given. And there is obvious on-screen chemistry between him and John David Washington's character, the protagonist. And I think that um any of really things with this i mean like his terrible dialogue at the end i mean obviously spoilers at this point we're gonna put it in the damn write-up but i think he was fantastic i think he's got a good career coming for coming towards him even more uh i just this did not uh the script didn't serve him well he was fantastic though what do you think vanique agreed that's yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying it, and also um the uh cat character uh Oh, that's uh, Elizabeth uh, Debicki played her. Debicki, yeah. yes. Debicki, yeah. Debicki. She yeah. was, uh, yeah, like you say, all of those, it's it's so weird that characters that really revealed nothing about themselves or anything, that their performances could be so enjoyable to watch. I feel like with her, I mean, she, who was she in? She was in Guardians of the Galaxies 2. I know she was in Widows. She's, ta- like, she's talented as fuck. French actress. I, I like I think with 
and this is the character development thing like you 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 don't feel any super closeness between her and her child because there's nothing that humanizes that relationship yeah. you just are trying to take your word for the fact that she gives a fuck about this and obviously she's stunning the camera loves her i think given some of the things i've, I've the little i've seen of her uh in what i just said she was very good and even in this she was good it's just it's it felt so flat um from a character sculpting standpoint on in you know uh on, in the writing like if you were to try to say hey like hand this movie to her and say no hand this movie to someone and say hey this is what she can do i believe it would be doing her a disservice because i think that she has uh the range and ability to fucking do quite a bit like and elf widows was quite good what do you think lanza I thought, I don't know, I didn't think she was that great in the movie, to be honest. I think she was, her performance was probably my least favorite. And, like, as far as her uh, relationship with the protagonist, like, I didn't, like, where did that come from? Like, they, they talked in a restaurant, and then all of a sudden he's, like, all about her and, like, helping her son. Like, I don't know, there was, I don't know, I didn't get, like, that relationship at all. I bought, I bought the bromance between the protagonist and Keith way more than with, like, their relationship. And, like, why... Like, why we should even just give a shit. I mean, she has a son. Like, I I get that. But, like, you have to develop that. It can't just be this one this one uh, track, she has a son. You know what I mean? And, like, she wants to save her son. It's like, show me their relationship other than, like, the two scenes where she was picking him up from school. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I didn't buy anything. She picks him up from school. She must love him so deeply yeah, enough she's to doing sacrifice the, the entire world yeah, just for yeah. that kid. I do, I just had to sacrifice my entire hours between 2.30 and 3.30 in order to pick up this child. And most of the time, I just called someone to fucking do it. Um, yeah, but again, like, I, as I said, I really do think she's talented. It's just, uh, like, I how can you tell in a performance where I think the problem is... Like, I was just in my head working through this while you guys talking. I'm like, is this the standard uh, emotionally anemic British reaction to love and uh, sexual tension uh, between her and, uh, you know, in fucking John David Washington's character? Uh, so, I don't... So, like, the fact that was trying to sh that was kind of shoehorned in there, we didn't understand why he cared so much. We don't even understand why she kind of cares about her kid that much. And it's one of those things where you just have to accept it's their child. But then, but I can't blame the uh, emotionally anemic Britishness because if you look at someone like Sam Mendes, uh, he is human and very, and under, you know, and kind of understands what's going on, um, you know, from interpersonal situation. And I think that if there's anything, I don't think there's enough personally of Christopher Nolan in this. Like, he's a human, he's loved, he's lost. Like, can I see some of you in here? You know what I mean? I Like, not just you're writing a story about something. It feels like this entire thing, he's, like, kept it at arm's length rather than, like, letting him in. And I think the great filmmakers... But he did this... But it, on something like Dunkirk, you totally feel like he let it in because it's so part of the British... Uh, it's so part of the British, um, you know, culture and understanding and their history at this point. So I'm just, you know, trying to psychologically understand why this was the reaction i think and then he went right back i think dunkirk was about as uh maybe dunkirk was about as personal and emotional emotion filled as uh we were ever gonna get from him and British like, okay i'll go back, back to my comfort zone 
British British people have only cried three times in the 20th century. <laughs> it was like uh, Dunkirk, the end of the Second World War, and when the fucking English won the World Cup in the 60s. It's like, other than that, it's like fucking, I don't know, just look at Margaret Thatcher. Fucking <laughs> England. Here you go. So, and this is me having a British father, P.S. Anybody uh, wants to fucking get at, at me online. Um, I, I think that overall, again, it was kind of a murderer's row with cast. I mean, he was blessed. It was good to see uh, Michael Caine out again. Fucking dust off old Michael Caine. No idea what happened in that scene, by the way. All I know is they dissed up Brooks Brothers pretty heavy. They dissed up Brooks Brothers and wouldn't let this guy take a fucking takeout? Yeah, can I take it to go? Absolutely not. Terrible. Was, like, fucking was, amazing. Amazing. That was funny. That was, like the only, that was like the only time I legitimately laughed at the movie. Like, for a joke. I mean, I laughed for other reasons, but that was more of like, like an exhale through the nose. <laughs> a snort yeah a fucking snort i mean i i think the the one that really kind of made me snort the most was like the beginning description of like what the uh rules and science was of this world i'm like clements posey wonderful actor Lo- camera loves her perfect she's gonna explain everything and then i'm like what the fuck the shit is going backwards it's inverted okay like, can we just come up with a less contrived idea? That's all I'm saying. That's what kind of got the eye roll. Because remember in the car, I'm talking about how I think it's just going to be... I'm like, coming into it, I want it to be good. It looks amazing. But I'm worried about it being Inception, Interstellar, these fucking... Even, like, The Dark Knight Rises was... Like, the plot, like, the plan to destroy Gotham was convoluted it's like we're gonna fake a revolution and then we're gonna fucking like whatever and then brb um, l- let me just like make this intricate bat sign on the side of the bridge when time is of an, of an essence and also how did he get out of like he got out of the hole and then all of a sudden he's back in gotham yeah he didn't have trouble getting oh. home from mongolia I, um i hated that movie see at least i enjoyed this movie i you hated dark knight rises like actually hated the, is that the third one? Yeah, the last one in the trilogy I just did not enjoy. Other than, again, the visual spectacle and the bridges blowing up. Well, I think this is going to lead well into where does this stand in <laughs> Nolan's CV? Ooh. I'm going to say the bottom. Discuss amongst yourselves. It's funny how my probably my favorite movie of his is Dunkirk, followed by this, which... I'd pr- I'd probably say is is on the bottom. Uh, was it better than? You know what? I would probably say it was better than Interstellar. It was. It's right. It goes like Interstellar, this, and then um, Inception, like rounding out the bottom. I'd say well, Interstellar uh, gets gets wacky. I liked yeah. Interstellar. I didn't. I don't have a problem with Interstellar. I don't think See, it's amazing, but I liked it. I'm, well, yeah, what yeah, would you I say for the watch, rest of his work? If I was to watch Interstellar, I would be like. This is a movie that Andrew Van Eek is going to take a dump on for sure. And you fucking, it was your, and you love it. I like, I, I, I felt like I got something out of that movie. Like when it was happening at the end, I, I'm, it's been a while since I saw it, but um, at least I came across with some meaning. And I, I was going to say that earlier with this That's one. Fair. I'm wondering if, and not to go, you know, harp too much on, you know, weird Lynch comparisons, but I wonder if the reason he drains all the personal stuff out and really went to be confusing is because we are, as an audience, supposed to 
find a meaning outside of that. And that's what Lynch does a lot, right? Like everything is a symbol and like the actual words and the actual things you see are not ever what they're supposed to be. And I wonder if Nolan was going heavier for that and just we didn't quite get there and neither did anybody else that watched the movie. Like, I'm sure there's layers, like, don't get me wrong, but like, also it's like, yeah, I'm sure there's a ton of symbolism, but like, also I couldn't necessarily pull out like a lot of themes in that movie. Like, I'm trying to really think about like what that movie was about. And it's like, I don't know, like, what do you guys think it was about? Like, what do you think that the theme of, of of Inception, wow, of uh, Tenet was? I'm, I tried to take like a broad stab and I just, there's, there's so much references to the billionaires and stuff like that. I I was wondering if it means like the ultra, ultra, ultra wealthy people controlling the entire world, like kind of control the future. They control the past because things that they've done just keep coming out of nowhere. Um, so there's that perception. And then like the only really thing you have is like your immediate family or like your actual personal tiny little life. And I wonder if, you know, as somebody who's like as successful as Chris Nolan, and now that he's seen probably other levels of the echelons of society that we don't even really know are there, maybe this is him kind of tripping out about that. Dude, that's interesting. I didn't think of that. That is that's, that's 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 the only thing I could really come up so with. So it's like an overture against elitism at its highest levels and the effect it has on all of us. Because you'd think somebody the trappings successful, of that life, right? Like, yeah, and like, because somebody for at our and even then, even then, at that crazy elite level, he still only just cares about his ex-wife not loving him, right? Like, it's still just people. It's not. It's so. It's basically like the people that are in crazy control don't know what the fuck they're doing either, and they're just See, still governed by these like small little petty emotions as well. I think that's like I think that's completely there. So like a genuine emotion in this is that this idea of, like, no matter what happens, um, because, I mean, I feel like the character leads you, tries to, like, they try to lead you believe that he doesn't care, but the idea is that he, you know, will just never be loved by her, and, she, you know, and she liked it, and he liked it when she was trying to be good to him, and I feel like that is a legitimate moment and idea, because what you can do is you can frame that as a, you know, then you're starting to get into, like, forget the time travel shit, you know what I mean? You're starting to look at, okay, this is, you know, at the heart of this is two people and their relationship and the dynamics of this relationship that they have and how the the intenseness of how it came together and just, like, you can work with that. And that's something that you build around, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's something that you build around. And so it's like, why don't you build around that? <laughs> Because you got Kenneth Branagh, and I think she can hack it. So, like, you can really get into this. And, you know, you see his rage, you know, in that scene where he's getting violent with her, um, which is awkward, because yeah, I don't think it's very yeah. well executed no. or even necessarily directed. I think... It was very ham-fisted. Yeah, it was very ham-fisted. I think that it just, there wasn't, I mean, in a, in a fucking movie where there is people walking backwards... Uh, there was no subtlety, uh, so I guess that's kind of interesting to say. But like, I think th- those are the kind of real things that you can get around where it's there, and I think that's interesting to point it out. But like, and then I wanted something between John David Washington and her, where it became about two people who just 
met and there's this idea and I don't know anything about his character. So I can't relate anything from his character to um, why he would sympathize with her particular thing other than it's a mother and her kid of course you would sympathize with it it's like if that's how our world worked there'd be less violence you know what i mean uh yeah no but you have to develop that idea though like just but that's what i but that's what i'm saying though you plant it from you start it from the beginning no 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 i know i'm agreeing with you i'm agreeing yeah yeah i I, like like how those are the kind of things that you build action sequences around those are the kind of things that make those action sequences and seeing his level of desperation and fucking Kenneth Branagh's character's level of fucking anger and justifies it and ramps it up. Um, but he's just like, but he's just angry though. Like, there's nothing else to his character. He's just like a bad guy. Like he's like, <laughs> I am the villain of this movie. I don't want to die, so everyone will die. Like there's, there's nothing really else. Okay, you said he had that one nice scene with um with his wife, where they were like, I don't know, I don't know. There's that one scene too where. There was way too much sunscreen on his back. But <laughs> I don't, yeah. But no, they had the nice scene where they're like, you know, this where they're talking about being happy and stuff like that. That was like one scene where it's like, okay, fine, that's like a moment between them. But like other than that, like the movie was like pretty sterile and devoid yeah. of like human emotion. It's right there too. That's the thing about forcing things to be complex, is that emotional complexity, which is I think true complexity. That comes naturally from characters interacting. It just jumps out at you as you're writing them. When you're writing them, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this uh, story. It's about this guy, and he's an arms dealer, but he has this wife that she's kind of forced into a relationship with, and he loves her, but she doesn't love him, and now you're starting getting into shit that's as old as time. Yeah, like, maybe show how they met. Because, like, I didn't, like, I I couldn't even understand, like, how they would have gotten together. Like, I wish they showed, like, I don't know, maybe, like, how they met or something like that. Or just, like, a scene. Like, I don't, I don't know. It just, I didn't, I didn't buy any relationship other than the bromance between. I, I, I think because it was so, the relationships were so lacking, I kind of, uh, piled it into the, I don't get this. So, Lanza, before the movie, you said to me something that I had never really thought of before, where you're just like, you're very adamant. You're like, I don't need to understand a movie to enjoy it. And like every time when you saw me scowling at stuff, you were like my Obi-Wan guiding me through that movie. Every time it started to get all pissed off, I was just, I just heard Lanza saying, you don't need to understand this movie to enjoy it. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> More stuff's going to blow up. And it yeah, just, ex- uh, exactly. Exactly. And, and like, it worked. And, like, no matter how much I'm, like, not necessarily shitting on it, but, like, how much I'm, like, talking negatively about it and critiquing it, it's, like, again, I said right at the beginning or close to the beginning of this podcast, like, I had a good time. But it's, like, I can't help but look at it with a critical eye afterwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what we do. I mean, we can do another pod about how baked we were going into the theater. But, like, like, sure. But, like, we're here to talk about... Yeah, we're here to talk about what it is. I mean, as I said, it's like at the, it's at the bottom for me. I expect more from Chris Nolan. I believe he is one of the great filmmakers of our time and he will be remembered as that. But I expect that kind of output. Let's talk about the fucking mix. I think it's terrible. Part of, okay, so here was the Reddit reaction. So when I went through and started reading through this, basically 
Uh, By the way, sub- what what what's were you on the Tenet subreddit or like a, the movies subreddit? I was on. I went. I just checked. I checked a bunch of them. So oh, okay, what, okay. So like basically, a lot of people. Anybody who like it seems like anybody who said they didn't like the mix saw it in IMAX, and then people who said they saw it in a regular uh, viewing uh, said that that it was fucking like you know it was fine, and uh, a lot of the home viewers seem to have also thought it was completely ridiculous, the mix. I think he's had sound issues on his films before. I don't think that's a, re- a, a thing. People re- couldn't understand fucking Bane. This was a big complaint. Um, also, there's the hilarious shit about Batman's voice. Not so much a technical problem as uh, uh, he sounds ridiculous. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, but so, like, I like for me, my ears were fucking bleeding afterwards. And I don't shy away from, like... If I'm watching, if sorry, if I'm, you know, listening to music, my cans are up all the way, uh, so I can, you know, rock out as the children say. Uh, so, I like for me, I like I like it was just I don't know. What did you guys hear about this? Because I know we've all been kind of reading about it. This is one of the big criticisms of it. I honestly, I just heard what I experienced, and I was sitting like IMAX theaters have that the you know the peak seat is like. A little bit back from center yeah and then dead center in the middle like i was sitting in what should have been the absolute like what that theater was designed and where it's designed to sound best and i think i think you're right it just comes more into the mix than anything in terms of stuff was just too hot and like it just vibrated your eardrums at the same time when something that you needed to hear was happening I was okay with how loud it is, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, there were a couple of times where I'm like, yeah, this is a bit loud, but my hearing shit. So I don't know, maybe I was okay with that. But then there were times like, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but the dialogue at certain times, especially when they were wearing masks and and shit like that. But there were times when nobody was wearing a mask and I still struggled to hear. And you're literally doing that thing where you're like leaning in and like squinting and like sticking one ear towards the screen to hear better. Cause I was, I was like, I was like, it's so loud, but like, it's just this weird, like muffled murmur. That's so loud. Like I can't even, it's hard to explain that. Like I could hear it fine, but I couldn't discern what I was hearing. I feel like my biggest issue with the mix and this is just sound design in general, is that it was kind of always up to 11. But I mean that from, like, a moment's standpoint as well. Like, I wanted to, like... The big stuff is only amplified when there's lighter moments and intimate moments. And, like, and I don't mean intimate necessarily from, like, a sexual standpoint, but from a... a no, closeness, personal, uh, interpersonal. Yeah, interpersonal, closeness, things out of hush... And I, I just feel like that wasn't, you know, that that wasn't really here. And I mean, like, even a movie like Dunkirk, you get that solitary noise of the cockpit where, you know, he's flying by himself and, you know, he's kind of considering his own world and choices by himself. And, like, I feel that I wanted a little bit more of this, especially with such good music. Um, you know, like it's fucking fantastic. Louis Gornson is a genius. Um, he's fucking his music. I mean, like obviously his, uh, collaborations, Challenge Gambino are fucking fantastic. Yo, I just found out he did the soundtrack. Forget this. Are you sitting down? What? Trolls 2. (laughs) I had no no idea. Wow. He did the soundtrack for Trolls 2? Hell yeah, dude. 
That's fantastic. I like his uh, uh, I like his not discerning tastes. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's fantastic. The music was generally really, really good. And like, you know, I, I'm like, I didn't realize that Louis Gordonson was doing it until the did it till the credit. Same, same. I thought it was going to be, I mean, it didn't sound um, like your uh, standard uh, fucking what's-his-face. Zimmer. Remember, uh, Hans Zimmer. Um, because we all know and love Hans Zimmer. Friend uh, of the podcast. You, if, if you're friend <laughs> of the podcast, I'm sure you've heard us beat off to it to him before. So, I mean, it, this was great. I, it, it's good. Um, I consider it like the move from Wally Feister to Hoyt Van Hoyte on cinematography. Like, a, you know, different look still fucking high quality um you know more than fucking capable of doing an absolutely fantastic job i just would have liked to you know more peaks and valleys with this more shaping in terms of how the sound was um more dynamics you know have it little be a little bit more dynamic and i think like the whole thing in general was flat it was just one tone um and sometimes that tone was awesome and in other times it was inappropriate for what was trying to be um trying to be achieved with that said i want to ask you one more question with all the um the backlash mixed reviews i mean i don't think we should go by rotten tomatoes that much uh but what it does do it kind of aggregates what the uh you know what the critic score is didn't wasn't didn't do the greatest i mean do you think this is like are we sick of chris nolan's shit at this point like are we do we need are we sick of the time bending stuff do we need another look what do you think i think okay I'm definitely, like, I'm not tired of his shit. Like, this this movie could have been pulled off if it was just, like, if it was just done a little bit different. If it was just, like, scaled back a little bit. If it was just reined in. If they focused more on character and character development and and inner character relationships. I think that this movie could have worked. So I'm not sick of his shit. I think he needs to be reined in a little bit. And I would really, like, moving forward, like, his next movie, I'd really like it to be not like an inception or like a tenet like just maybe maybe get a little bit more back to basics i don't know obviously like his movies have all kind of played with time even back from like memento and fucking uh prestige whatever so i'm not saying his basics but i'm just saying kind of like more of like from the basics of like filmmaking like i don't know maybe just tackle a smaller story like i don't know who who am i to say that but i don't know my my one little opinion I would like to see him tackle maybe something a little bit smaller in scale that focuses on character. You know, it's kind of funny that you say that because Dunkirk is definitely my best, my favorite movie by him. And although it was epic in like real life significance, um, the story was way smaller and look what he did. Like he was reined in there in that. And then it's, I yeah, I thought that movie was genius. So I fully... I agree there. I don't think I'm sick of his shit. I'm sick of his time shit. I think that he should leave the time thing alone unless, unless you know, some genius scientists, we have some huge breakthroughs and there's more to go on and it's less, you know, I don't know if it's, he'd get mad if it was make-believe. I think it's all based on someone's theory, but yeah, no more time stuff. Let's I'm just have, of, let's just have a movie. I'm kind of sick of it as a trope, to be honest with you. Um, I think in Dunkirk, it's a little bit more of an interesting way of doing it. It's, you know, a different motif, the way he's using it. It's not used to add complexity. It's used just as a different way of, like, focusing in on what people were trying to accomplish at what at what points, you know? Um, so I thought it was done really, really, really well. 
And you get those character things. And, like, you get the kid at the end, you know, trying to do... You know, get the kid in the newspaper at the end, and he's trying to do something for his country. Oh, fuck yeah. So and be, good. Uh, right? And you not have be... those moments. And not be... And, like, you know, you're you're with the pilot in the car... In the, in the, in the, in the Spitfire, and it's intimate, but loud, but it can be... I mean, it's, it's like, what is, the, what is the scene is really what it breaks down to. So you're getting that rumble, but, like, the rumble is, you know, when you're in the cockpit with him is just like kind of like a fan when you're sleeping you know it's just white noise and you're just kind of in with him and experiencing things with him and that's why with this like i didn't experience anything with these people nothing tangible um that as a human i can understand and it's the human emotions that and you know the where it comes in from you in your life as a filmmaker where like i'm not asking this guy to be a fucking like full-on auteur I think I want, you know, there is, and, and listen, I think that it also is part of this, I'm willing to admit, will come down to what you as a filmmaker are looking for. Some people like the spectacle. That's what they want to see. There is nothing wrong with that. My personal values as a film, you know, as a want, you know, trying to be a filmmaker and what I'm trying to accomplish and like what I like as a viewer, I mean, it's those kind of things if you gave me a set piece like you're trying to get chris nolan to do obviously i'm not gonna fucking do that he has talent on a level that is generational but i want to see you know i don't want to watch a bunch of films by a filmmaker and then absolutely know nothing about him interpersonally or like you know as an artist i think is the big thing and that is kind of I, I mean, I Stanley Kubrick obviously is a genius, one of, the, one of, if not the greatest filmmaker of all time. One of the reasons why I can't always get into a film by all of his films is that sometimes I feel like they're at arm's length, and um, that's not a knock on him, obviously, uh, as I said, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. But I need, like, my personal taste requires something that's a little bit more, you know up close and personal and i think that if that's what you're looking for in general with a chris nolan movie i don't think he's able you know that's not him if that makes sense one one more little note that you thought that that just made me think about i wonder if that's maybe the problem that he is you know the auteur like think of how busy your average director is with a film and and getting it going and like how much they have to think about and then chris nolan's case they're like worried about making you know rejigging imax cameras so that they can like turn inside a car or fit in the cockpit of a of a spitfire and stuff like that and i wonder if like he's just pulled in so many directions with the scope of these projects that there's not a lot to time to really buff out you know well, Some I think the, the problem parts. is I think the problem with this is you need to take more time to make it. Like yeah. look at James Cameron, look how much he's putting out just <laughs> through patience. <laughs> like I if that's the case then I applaud him just putting out the fucking movies. Because uh I don't want to wait for like, oh, I can wait for holographic technology to update before I can actually tell this story. I I, I think that's a, I think that's a that's a good point. Like it's you're creative director of an entire project of that scope that is multiple millions of dollars and you're trying to like also and this is what i respect about him and why i you know i preface that i'm not trying to talk shit about him as a filmmaker because i feel like he's one of the people who not only pushes for us to understand our cinematic past but pushes greatly into the cinematic future and without him you don't have the ability but like if you look at a filmmaker 
I guess my overall note, like Denny Villeneuve, like his his version of sci-fi and his version of these more bigger action movies like Sicario and I feel like like there's he has an ability to grab you by the heartstrings emotionally um you know thinking metaphysically and I think that I just am now like I don't want to ever like I don't want to start questioning whether uh, Chris Nolan is fully capable of doing that because I love his movies so much and I feel like especially during college I found them so inspiring if also that makes sense it does yeah and maybe sure. that's maybe what he's going to contribute to film is you know what we've already seen and maybe there's nothing wrong with that given given how much of an impact all those works had on that note ladies and gentlemen Andrew Vane Andrew Lanza thank you so much for being here thanks thank you very much